and welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast for another week of fantasy football. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and today we'll be joined by Dan Claskins of Get Sports Info to chat about waiver wire for Fantasy Football Championship Week. Hey, Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Bobby, and always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, looking forward to Championship Week here in fantasy. Hopefully, uh, you're in a couple fantasy championships. I've got two of them that I'm pretty excited about. I lost in, in my most important league. I consider it my most important league, not because it's a big money league or anything like that, but because it's my work league. So I'm playing against all these guys, the developers that I work with, and there's this one guy who whooped me in the fantasy baseball championship, and he just beat me in the fantasy football semifinals, and I'm pulling out my hair. I'm, I'm losing it. I, I can't believe he beat me. <laughs> well, it will. So it will. You have plenty of time for it to set in because, unfortunately, unlike daily, where you can just go on to the next slate, you know, now you got to mull over that for what the next seven, eight months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all work remotely across the country, but we're going to meet up next month, and I know he's just never going to let me hear the end of it. You know, I'm sure you would be talking some smack on your end too. I, I don't know of you that course. well, but I've known you long enough to know that you'd be talking some smack too. So uh, I'm gonna you can't, be talking yeah. smack anyway. I mean, he he knows my team is better, and he just got lucky. So hey, you know. it, let's be honest. I mean, as much as we put into researching and the stats and the data, it, sometimes it does come down to luck, especially in the fantasy playoff time. You're exactly right. That's what we're going to talk about here in this opening segment. We've never done this on the show before, but it's a pretty good time to do it. We're going to do three truths and a lie. So basically, I'm going to give you four fantasy football stats. You tell me, Dan, which one is the lie, okay? All right, all right. This sounds good. All right, so we got Andy Dalton has more fantasy points than Big Ben, Carson Palmer, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Cam Newton this season. Okay. David Johnson has better receiving season fantasy-wise in standard fantasy leagues than Brandon Marshall, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and Alshon Jeffrey. All right, I've, I'm going with you. Devontae Adams, Jamison Crowder, and Tyrell Williams are all top 10 receivers this season. Are we talking standard leagues? Are we standard talking? Leagues. Yeah, standard leagues. Okay. And finally, the leading tight end, Travis Kelsey, is on pace that would have made him the sixth best fantasy tight end in football last season. So which of those absurd stats is a lie? The other three are true, but which one's a lie, Dan? Oh, man, that's, you know, as a Bengal fan, I probably would be tricked by the Dalton one, but I know from a fantasy perspective that I think that one's a truth. And I'm definitely not going to go against David Johnson. So what were the three? What were the receivers with Tyrell Williams again? I was writing them Devontae down. Devontae Adams and Jamison Crowder are those guys top ten receivers this year? Uh, you know, I think Crowder's the. I think Crowder's where it gets a little sneaky in there. I'm gonna say that's the lie. I'm gonna say that that's the lie. I don't think Crowder is got quite that good of a season going. But that's uh, that's my final answer. I'll Crowder stick with that is one. The number nine wide receiver oh. in fantasy leagues. The answer. This is pretty funny. Sorry, it's kind of a trick question. The answer is Kelsey would actually have been the seventh tight end last season. That's how bad the tight end position's been. Can you believe that? It has been brutal this year, too, especially with all the injuries. And Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. I always always like trying to put those stats together, so uh, nice work on that one. (laughs) All those stats are just crazy. When I was looking at the Andy Dalton one, I was like, I can't believe this. I, I didn't... 
I would probably be most people's guess, but because unfortunately I'm a Bengal fan, uh, yeah, I've got Dalton in a few leagues. I've realized that. So <laughs> I would not have started him any week in any matchup. And he's been better than all those great guys that were drafted way ahead of him. It's just nuts. Fantasy football. Well, he was, when, when Green was in there and on fire, there were some matchups where I actually played him and it paid off. So. Yeah. Well, you're smarter than me then, man, because I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah, I've cut him. I cut him. So I, I'm, not that, I, I'm not that confident that it will finish that way. Although A.J. Green's might come back this week, so we'll see. I, I don't care how accurate an expert is. Not a single expert. Not Sean Corner. Not Jake Seeley, not Ron Burgundy could have predicted any of these things. Um, so, I mean, if you're licking your wounds today, just remember the guy who beat you, he, he just got lucky. That's how fantasy football goes. He just got lucky. That's what I'm saying. Hey, we'll roll with it because, uh, like I said, you know, as much as there's luck out there to beat you, you also have bad luck to factor in. And Lord knows I've had my share of that this year. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You can always play. You can play both cards. How about that? <laughs> that's well, that's that's how we'll, we'll keep it here. So, uh, you know, I, I, I will say this, though. I, I did get a little good luck because in one of the leagues where I actually made the championship, some impatient owner let Ty Montgomery go like two weeks ago. It was actually it was like three weeks ago before he even had the the week fourteen uh, game that you know looked promising, and I scooped him up out of desperation. I had to play him last week when uh, Michael Thomas was a late scratch, and then I played I rolled with him again this week. So sometimes one man's garbage is another's man's treasure. Yeah, I played him in DFS, and uh, I can tell you he was he was treasure this weekend. No doubt about it. All right, Sean, ready to chat about the waiver wire pickups for uh, for championship week. Let's dive into it, man. All right, so we're looking at players who are less than 50% owned in ESPN and Yahoo League. So uh, the top pickups this week, I think it's a trio of wide receivers. You might disagree, but the guys I want to start with, Robbie Anderson, Dontrell Inman, and Tyler Lockett. How do you feel about these three, and which one do you think is the top pickup of them? Well, I will say this. When you look at the Week 16 waiver wire, Bobby, I mean, you have it's like a whole different thing because – I mean, you're not worried about what's going on. Beyond. I mean, I guess there might be some teams still playing in Week 17. But for the most part, this is a one-week ordeal. So the matchup's actually going to play a big factor in the way I approach waiver wire. But you're right. I think... That's what it is. We're picking one matchup exactly. for all the money. Exactly. I mean, you know, we don't have the salary indicate, you know, stuff to worry about or ownership levels or things like that. But you're absolutely right. It's matchup driven. And if that's the case, I mean, I think, you know, it almost has to be, to me, Dontrell Inman is the guy I like. Um, and not to, yeah, I mean, you know, San Diego, they looked a, a little. Actually, I was very disappointed in, in that game. I, I was expecting uh, the total to come closer to the over. 50 plus that Vegas had set on it and it was disappointing all around but nonetheless I think Inman has been far from it you look at what he's done here he did see that three game touchdown streak and in week 16 but still caught five of his seven targets for 68 yards I mean there's no doubt that this guy has emerged as the most reliable receiver in there especially since Tyrell Williams has injured his shoulder you've seen his production take a dip there and he runs Inman in the slot quite a bit and Cleveland They've struggled there all season, so I think I haven't studied the weather forecast too much. We are talking about Cleveland, and we are talking about Christmas Eve, so there could be some snow involved off the lake there that would might you know back me off of this. But 
right now, I think hands down it's him. And I think Robbie Anderson's an interesting second choice. You, you know, you talk about what he's done, assuming that Bryce Petty is the one under center, which I am at this point, uh, you know, battling through his injury there. Anderson, six of 11 targets he pulled in on Saturday. I mean, this guy has just clicked with Petty since the preseason. And you have to figure, currently as we speak here, the Jets are 16 and a half point underdog. So there's got to be plenty of garbage time in this one. I think Robbie Anderson's a nice play as well. You know, I'm not sure if Petty's going to play. He was knocked out a little bit in the second half. Um, they're saying he's going to play, but anytime that a quarterback leaves a game and, and it doesn't really matter if he plays the next week, I'm always skeptical. Skeptical. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. If Petty doesn't play, I think Anderson's stock drops probably 20-25%. I'm not even exaggerating here. I mean, Petty to Anderson is the real deal. They played together in practice so much. You saw what they did in preseason. Someone came on the show last week and said, Robbie Anderson was the number one fantasy wide receiver in the preseason, uh, which is a bizarre stat, but I think it means something. Petty loves throwing the ball to Anderson. I've always been a big believer in when these backup quarterbacks come in that the scout team players get it in there. But, you know, Anderson brings something that this team, you know, was sort of missing, especially with Deck around. That's that deep threat. Somebody to stretch the field a little bit. And like I said, I think if, I mean, as you said, they're, they're, the talk is right now, oh, they're optimistic about Petty. But let's be honest, they, they have nothing to play for. If they rush Petty out there, I think it speaks volume to how, how much they don't want to put Ryan Fitzpatrick out there any longer. I think Lockett also, you know, the third guy here, I mean, let's not dismiss him. Uh, you are talking about a player here that, you know, I mean, people don't put enough stock in the fact that uh, the significance of his knee injury there in week two. He did come back in to finish that game. Still had four catches, 99 yards, and played several games hurt. He's clearly getting closer to 100% now. And that big play ability, certainly on display again this past Thursday night, seven catches, career high, 130 yards, that 57-yard TD there. Listen to this little nugget on the locket. Ten career touchdowns, six of them have been longer than 40 yards. Eight of them have been 24 yards or longer. And with the 75-yard touchdown run against Carolina earlier this month, Lockett now has the Seahawks' longest receiving and rushing touchdowns this season. So I think uh, he's, he's, a, he's a nice player. I like him a little more in standard formats, and especially a guy if I'm an underdog this week and you know, need to take that swing for the fences, he very well could be the guy. That's exactly right. If you were playing one of these teams that had nobody get hurt all season and pulled off like some trade where they landed Ezekiel Elliott for some nobody, you know, if you're playing that team and you're favored to lose by 20 points, I'm starting Tyler Lockett. I think he has the biggest upside this week. Now, if this the ceiling, is, yeah, his ceiling is is huge. It really is. He could score you 25 points. Robbie Anderson and Inman, I'd say they're they're maximized at 16, 17, 18, which would be a huge week, right? But Tyler Lockett's ceiling is is a lot more, um, and I think there's actually a better chance that he hits his ceiling than anyone else, but his floor is just so low, it could kill you. If you're playing a tight matchup, Robbie Anderson and Dontrell Inman are better bets. Now, if this was rest of the season and we had five weeks to go, Tyler Lockett would be far and away the best pickup. I love him for next year. I mean, think about Tyler Lockett, where he was drafted. He was He was really highly regarded by everybody. He's just the best talent. I mean, I wasn't overpaying. Some got some in the industry just got a little ridiculous in some of these early industry drafts I participated in. I mean, I I was seeing the guy going around three and four. I was never that high on him, but I had a few I, I had a few season long shares on the guy, and, and I thought you know sixth seventh round in an offense that 
I really was excited about coming into the season. I think, you know, Russ, part of, part of Lockett, too, is Russell Wilson himself getting healthier, you know? I mean, there was a stretch of the season there where, I mean, both these guys were playing banged up, and I think with, uh, you know, the mobility there, and we, what we see from Arizona last week, I mean, they can be beat by the deep ball and by a good quarterback, so I, I think Lockett certainly has some upside this coming week, and I'm totally with you. I think once again next season, there'll be a name people are talking about in the summer. You know, everyone's so excited about Tyreek Hill, and for good reason. He is an electric player. But if you asked me, I'd rather have Tyler Lockett than Tyreek Hill. Uh, call me crazy if you want, but I think he's more talented, and I think he's in a better offense. Yeah, well, I might call you crazy anyway, but that that's not because <laughs> of that comment, but uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, I mean, you're right. You know, you're you better offense. I mean, there's basically two words, Russell Wilson. We just said him before, but... I mean, yeah, I'm going to take his playmaker over Alex Smith's playmaker every day of the week. You're talking about an offense that definitely gets uh, more points on the board. Now, I will say, you know, Hill is definitely a dynamic player. But, I mean, let's face it. The guy had one, one run for 68 yards here in week 15. It's three targets, no catches. If he doesn't bust that one through line, you know, if he falls down on the ground right there, he, you know, he gets nothing. I mean, he would have put up a big donut. And that's my, you you look at the snap counts. I mean, he's been able to maintain since Macklin's been out. But same thing with uh, Taylor Gabriel in Atlanta. I mean, these guys are are paying dividends and it's hard to argue with. But if you keep playing with fire, you will get burned. And let's hope for owners that uh, that doesn't happen in week 16. I've been saying this for a long time, though. And uh, if people have been benching Taylor Gabriel because I've been telling them, I'm sorry, guys. But it's got to stop eventually. It's got to stop with him. And it's got to stop with Hill, and, you know, it might stop with Lockett this week. And that's the reason that I'm not as excited about him as uh, Robbie Anderson and and Dontrell Inman. See, with Robbie Anderson, he's passed up Brandon Marshall. He just has. He's the number one wide receiver for the Jets, and Bill Belichick knows that. And Bill Belichick, better than anyone else in football history, locks down one player. He says, this is the guy who can beat us, and we're not going to let him beat us. And they're going to stop Robbie Anderson this week. I don't like the matchup. I know they're going to be playing from behind. I know the game script makes sense. But I don't like Robbie Anderson this week. If you look at what the Patriots are doing against the pass, wide receivers, they're number 26. 26 for wide receivers. That's not a good matchup. And especially for wide receiver ones, which Robbie Anderson is right now, I'm all about Dontrell Inman. Phillip Rivers is going to be throwing the ball every game, even against Cleveland, even in this game script. And Inman, he's every bit as good as Tyrell Williams, I think. He's getting just as many snaps. He's getting just as many targets. Uh, And like you said, Williams is dealing with an injury. So uh, Inman is my guy. I think he could have a huge week. I think he has a high floor. I think he has a high ceiling. I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's he's my first bid if I need a receiver for sure. And, you know, it's going to be interesting really to me to see what happens with this Chargers offense. Notice I didn't say San Diego, but this Chargers offense in 2017, because who knows where they're going to play. But I mean, when Keenan Allen gets back in the mix, assuming, you know, he's back in the fold here. I mean, you look at Williams Inman. I mean, they got some young weapons. So yeah, yeah, they just got to be able to stay healthy, and they just haven't been able to do it. But Inman's my guy at receiver, Bobby, like you here in week number 16's waiver wire. I'll tell you what's going to happen with the Chargers. Phillip Rivers is not going to be there, and they're going to sign Mike Glennon for like 
$20 million. <laughs> they're just going to overpay on some quarterback because they're going to be so desperate and it's going to be ugly. So someone's going to overpay on Glennon and man, that is, that's well, not I heard, I heard Brock Osweiler might be available on the waiver wire soon. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> a great pickup too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was brutal. Yeah, 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 it definitely was. So let's say you can't get one of these top three receivers. Maybe they're not available in your league or you don't have one of the top waiver wire pickups. What about these three wide receivers? How do you feel about these second-tier options? John Brown, J.J. Nelson, so two guys from Arizona, and then Cameron Meredith, who reemerged last week. Yeah, I mean, there are some things to look at there. And, I mean, for me, I mean, if I'm playing the, one of the two Cardinals receivers, it's got to be Nelson. I mean, it was nice to see John Brown. I mean, he's been through so much this season. And, I mean, now that Michael Floyd's not in the lineup, you're seeing him get on the field a little bit more. He still played a li- more limited snaps than I hoped for when I start uh, th- when I drafted him at the beginning of the year in a, in a spot or two. But five of six targets, 81 yards, a touchdown there, nicely thrown ball uh, there by Palmer that in the fourth quarter, and it could have been even a bigger day had it just not missed him. And I'll tell you, I, J.J. Nelson is a lot like what we were just talking about with Lockett, but I just don't think he's as good. Uh, he also could have had a much bigger game this past week had he uh, not muffed that ball that Palmer had thrown. For, I believe it was like 50-something, 57, 58 yards it was. But, uh, I mean, 11 targets going Nelson's way. If I had to pick between the two Cardinals receivers, that's the route I'm going. But of these three options, I think Cam Meredith would be the first guy I would turn to. And He's not I playing mean, Seattle. Yeah, he's not playing Seattle. He's playing Chicago, and the Bears certainly friendly. Or excuse me, not playing. He's playing in Chicago versus the Redskins. Is what I'm talking about. The Redskins. I mean, they're a team that uh, you know is as we've seen many a times. They get involved in these shootout style games. I like the fact he got 13 targets. Barkley's look good. I mean, is this a guy that I, I want to start in my championship game? I mean, none of these three are honestly. But if if I'm forced to, and you know, maybe I'm in a league where there's a, a flex or two there, and it, you know, we're starting four or five receivers. Meredith's a guy with some upside this week, especially in PPR leagues. I think the floor is pretty high for him to get five, six catches, and uh, you know, he's going to be in that slot, and that's once again a spot here where we've seen the Washington defense uh, be vulnerable at times. Norman's not going in the slot. He's not gone in the slot virtually all year, so. Um, you know, maybe Meredith will be open because the rest of that secondary in Washington is not very good. Now, again, because it's week 16 and because it's the winter, a cold winter at that, we have to do the, the snow disclaimer. If this game, uh, if it's snowy, Meredith is not a good option. You might have to go with one of these guys against Seattle. But, yeah, I agree. I think Meredith has the better floor. I think he has the better ceiling, even better than J.J. Nelson, just because Nelson's not going for 20 points against Seattle. Now, Meredith... Yeah, he might get himself 12, 13 targets and eight or nine receptions and a touchdown or two. So that could be real nice. Again, I agree with you, Dan. I don't want to start any of these guys. You might as well quit if you have to start one of these guys. But uh, I don't know. If you have to choose one, I, I guess it's Meredith. You know, here's a good point to bring up, too, because a, a lot of owners going to their waiver wires here earlier in the week, Tuesday, Wednesday pickups, and you might not have that clear picture of the weather on Sunday. And this is week 16. You don't really need a bench beyond this week so you know if you're hurting that receiver and you're rolling the dice maybe it's not a bad idea to pick up a couple of these guys give up that backup defense or whatever you know that second tight end whatever's not going to be in your starting lineup is free game unless you're in a keeper league so 
uh, you know, just because you got to make these early week decisions doesn't mean you can't really, you know, pick up a couple options and then still have until more of the the Saturday time, I guess, this week for a lot of these games to, to make that final decision. I'm really intrigued by Eli Rogers, too. And, uh, man, this, this could be really bad advice. It, it makes me really uncomfortable to say because Eli Rogers has not been good the past, like, five weeks until last week because, you know, he's basically playing with, like, six fingers, right? But he looked good last week. He got all those targets. Well, he didn't get all those targets. He got six targets. He made a play. And when Eli Rogers is healthy, he's a good start. Uh, they're playing in a must-win game against Baltimore at home. Ben, Beth, ben Roethlisberger is really good at home. So maybe Rodgers goes nuts here. I don't know. I, I might like him even more than Meredith. I don't know. I'm not real high on that, honestly. I, I've watched just too many of these Steelers-Ravens games to know the physicality that that game's going to— I mean, to be honest, I mean, the over and uh, the total on this game is at 44 right now. And I thought that was a little high. I, I really expect for it to be a, the AFC North titles on the line. It's Christmas Day. These teams hate each other. It's national televised. The whole nation's going to be watching. And I, I just expect a more of a 13-10 type of game. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about others on the list. Uh, you know, Rogers probably be near the bottom here of the guys we've discussed for me, but yeah, I mean, they're all th- darts at the board at this point. So if you feel strongly about Rogers, I'm not going to talk you out of it. You actually did talk me out of it. I, ch- I changed my mind. So everyone listening, don't, <laughs> that don't wasn't hard. Rogers. That's, that's a good point. Dan. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just, you know, going back to just being a Bengal fan. And I mean, these AFC North games, man, especially the Ravens and the Steelers. I go back to a game a couple years ago in a similar spot, late season division on the line. There was a goal line stand and back when Ray Lewis was still playing. And I mean, the Steelers tried to get in the goal line like four. I mean, it was like a death match at the goal line, and it felt like that. And, you know, these teams, I, I think they're going to bring that to them on Sunday as well. So over under, four fingers working at the end of the game for Eli Rogers. What do you think? <laughs> I'll go under. I'll go under. I'll cross the board. I'm going under on this game. <laughs> now, how about if you're starved at running back? This is a bad situation. I mean, I guess you could have played the zero running back strategy, and you've got some stellar wide receivers, a great quarterback everything going for you. You just need a running back. If that's the case and you're in the championship game, hey, great job. I don't know how you did it. I don't think that strategy made sense, but if you did it, congratulations. And, and here you are having to decide between Dwayne Washington and Justin Forsett. Dan, do you like either of these guys even a little bit or maybe someone else stand out to you this week? Well, I probably think Forsett, if I'm making a decision between these two players, I'm going his route and Part of that is, you know, you look at Detroit, they're playing on Monday night, they get the last game of the week here, and I do like this week's slate, man, it's like spread out, we've got Thursday games, you know, we've got all the Saturday games, a couple Sunday games, the Monday night game, but the Lions, they're the last on the list, and I, you know, I, I think they're playing for the spot, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of practice yet this week, but I, I mean, maybe they get Riddick back, so... That alone would just completely minimize any value Washington has. I mean, he's getting the snaps. He played a season-high 71% of the offensive snaps this past week. That's 10% higher than he did a week ago in Riddick's first game miss. But, I mean, he, he got 14 of 17 running back carries. His workload, uh, his workload definitely you know, got a tick up there when Zenner fumbled in the second quarter of that game. But he has done nothing with the opportunity. All, all day long, just boring running and... 
to me, Dwayne Washington is a guy that I'm just not going to go after. For set, at least there, you, you have hope that uh, he's going to have a role. Because, like I said, if Riddick comes back, Washington really gets minimized. And for set, he's a better option than Booker. Once again, not pretty. Honestly, if I'm in a PPR setup, there, you know, I mean, I know you're going off Yahoo's 50% here. My first option on the waiver wire, if he's still out there, and I've seen him get, the only reason I say this, I've seen him actually get cut in a couple of my leagues is Deion Lewis. Uh, you know, he came back to life. I think Paul Perkins is still out there in a lot of leagues. Uh, you know, he's a guy that has more upside to me. He's going against Philadelphia. They've given up the 13th most fantasy points to running backs over the last five weeks. Uh, you know, he's splitting it up there with Jennings. Philly's D is... Definitely not what it, playing at a caliber was earlier this season. So, and even Charles Sims. I mean, if you're real desperate, he's like out Charles there in Sims. some spots. Yeah, PPR league, Saints Bucks. I mean, you're talking about a game that, as I talk to you right now, is just one of two games out of the entire slate with an over 50 point spread there. So, the Saints put some points on the board. Sims is that passing down back. And Jaquiz Rogers, a healthy scratch in Week 15, tells me that Sims is the guy for the change of pace. So I think there's plenty of goodness, PPR-friendly uh, points to be had in him over Forsett or Washington off that wire. I'm glad you brought up Charles Sims because he was not on my radar, but of all these guys we've talked about, that's the one I want to trust. Doug Martin's just not himself. Charles Sims is getting on the field plenty, and he's a playmaker. I mean, this boy can play some football. And, oh my gosh, he'd have had a, he would have had a nice, nice scoring play off of a screen pass uh, in the loss there in Dallas on Sunday night. Had the blockers just hit their men, they had to up and down the field. And uh, I mean, I think Sims he's getting this will be his third game back. So I mean, I'm not sitting there telling you that you know, Sims is a guy that needs to be in your starting lineup. But when we're going to the waiver wire and talking about these names, I mean, he's certainly uh, certainly a guy that would probably rise to the top of my list. Yeah, must-win game, a team that gave up 40 points last week. So I don't think that's a bad one. Let me just say this about Dwayne Washington. If you're thinking about Dwayne Washington or anybody else, just imagine Dwayne Washington starts with Sean Lee two feet from him. As soon as he touches that ball, Sean Lee is going to be all over him. He's the best run stopper in the NFL right now since Keekley's out. Um, Sean Lee is really good, and this Detroit offensive line is really bad. Lee's just going to be living in that backfield. I don't care how talented Dwayne Washington is, he's not going to have a big game. It just this Dallas defensive line front seven is amazing. Yeah, it really makes a difference with Lee back in the middle too. I mean, they were playing pretty good all season, but his presence there, back where he belongs, is is just a difference maker. And it's it's tough for opposing running backs. I mean, we saw it last night. And uh, you're right. I think Detroit's going to see it again on Monday. Now, what about streamers at tight ends? I mean, we just talked about how bad tight ends have been. So maybe you're playing the streaming tight end game. I know I have, and it's been ugly. These are our options this week. We got Jared Cook, Ryan Griffin, and Deion Sims, maybe somebody else. But look, it's not pretty, Dan. So if you have to pick one of those guys, who are you going with? Well, I, the guy I like the most, I think, is out there in a lot of leagues. I actually picked him up a couple weeks ago and have been lucky enough to roll him out is actually Charles Clay. Uh, he's, he's coming off his best game this season, seven targets, seven catches, 72 yards, a touchdown. But, I mean, he's going up against Miami, 
They've given up the most fantasy points to tight ends at the position on the season. Oh, yeah, it's his former team as well. So there is some revenge game script there. We've seen him have some big games against Miami since he's out there. Now, maybe he got scooped up last week when he was going up against the Browns. Uh, I, you know, Miami's actually, when I, I said they've given up the most points to tight ends, it's over the last five weeks of the season, five touchdowns in that span, uh, 393 yards, 37 catches to the position. So if he's available, he comes ahead of any of those guys. But after that, of the three you present, I mean, Griffin's a guy I like a ton if CJ Federowitz is not cut back from his concussion. So that's going to be a situation that would need to be monitored. He would be my top choice of the three you brought up. Great I mean, matchup against Cincy. Yeah, I love the matchup. Bengals have been getting beat up by tight ends all year. And, and he's going with the backup quarterback that he's been working with in practice. Yeah, Savage is breathing some hope into Griffin and all other parts of that offense like DeAndre Hopkins. Sims is the last guy on my list. I mean, yeah, he had the two touchdowns. I mean, he's very much a touchdown-dependent streamer at best here, Week 16, at you know, going uh, at Buffalo. Cook, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've been burned so many times by Cook. He did have that nice stat line. If you didn't watch the game, you might think, oh, well, six of eight targets, 85 yards. But realize he did next to nothing after halftime once the Bears actually started to pay attention to him. So... I don't know. Griffin would be my choice of the three. You mentioned it. If Federowitz is out, Clay, my top choice of, of you know guys I'm looking at on the waiver wire, and I guess the default there would be Cook over Sims. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not touching Sims. Now, Cook gets Minnesota, so I'm not interested there either. I'm glad you brought up Charles Clay. Again, I, I forgot about him. I've been banging his drum all season, just saying, hey, it's coming. They're going to give him targets. It's coming. And finally, it's coming, and uh, it, it, it came, and I wasn't talking about it. It's just one of those deals, so uh, that's, that's fantasy football, man. Yeah, I think it's, like I said, I mean, I, the, Miami struggled against the position here over the last five weeks. No team's given up more, and like I said, Clay used to play for him. So not that I look for the revenge game narrative every week or anything by any measure, but, uh, you know, it certainly doesn't help to be the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's an interesting call. Now, how about streaming quarterbacks? If someone's bold enough to do this in a championship game, I did it last week. I benched Tom Brady and picked up Alex Smith, and it actually worked out wow. for me. I lost, wow. um, but you know, yeah. Tom I mean, Brady. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't take it didn't make it didn't take much to outperform Brady. That's right, and you know, for the Brady owners that were fortunate enough to survive, they're going to be rewarded here with the game against the Jets coming up. But no, uh, there's. To me, there's one name, and it's easy for me. It's Matt Barkley. Uh, you know, I mean, he entered Sunday's game against the Packers. He was owned in about, I think, 2% of ESPN leagues at the data I was looking at there last week at this time. But you look at that four-game stretch he's had since taking over as a starting quarterback. He's got double-digit point totals three times, six touchdown passes. He's eclipsed 300 yards passing twice, and... I mean, during his first three games, the first three games of the four games, Pro Football Focus actually graded him as the third highest quarterback grade. Only Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were higher. Now, it was a little shakier last week out in the elements there in the coldest game ever played for the Bears. Uh, but, you know, he still put up 362 passing yards, which, by the way, were the most ever by a Bears quarterback versus the Packers. And, this week, he's taking on a Washington defense. They rank in the bottom 10 in passing yards allowed, opponent completion percentage. So, 
I think the stars are aligned. I like, once again, you know, I haven't studied weather too much in, you know, Chicago for Sunday yet, but assuming it's not blizzard or, or something terrible, I think Barkley is a guy you can scrape off of that waiver wire and throw in there and, you know, have a shot at getting 20 plus fantasy points. You know, I live in St. Louis, so I've been paying attention to our weather because we're going to be traveling. And so I have a little bit of an idea of what's supposed to happen in Chicago right now. They're calling for ice, which would be horrible. So, uh, yeah, do do keep an eye on that game in Chicago. But I like the Barkley call. To me, I think it's Colin Kaepernick. If he's available in your league, in Yahoo right now, he's available in two-thirds of the leagues. He gets Los Angeles. And uh, I don't know if you all remember, but the San Francisco 49ers crushed the Rams in week one, 28-0. And uh, Kaepernick, he's, a, he's just a better quarterback. Uh, than what San Francisco has thrown out there. So maybe they go nuts again. Kaepernick picks him up uh, 20, 25 fantasy points for you because Los Angeles is not stopping anybody right now. No, and I can certainly get behind Kaepernick. I mean, he's his floor, we've seen it get pretty low a couple times, but, man, his ceiling is high. What he can do on the ground, I mean, that's a good call too. Uh, and one that, as you said, is probably a little more weather-friendly, so... I can certainly uh, I can certainly ride Kaepernick's wagon as well. Dan, let's close this out by talking about streaming defenses. There's three that I like this week. The Giants, I like them pretty much every week, but they have a good matchup. The Packers and even San Francisco, who, as I mentioned uh, a minute ago, they had a shutout against the Rams last time. Who do you like of them? Of those three, I think that, I mean, I'll be, uh, the Packers have to come to mind for me. I mean, they've got a lot to play for. Uh, you know, they basically could win out and, and, and still get into the playoffs potentially here. Uh, they're playing a Minnesota team that, I mean, they flat out laid an egg at home to the, the Colts, who I thought were just terrible on defense. So, haven't watched what I just did there. Sam Bradford, I mean, Peterson has nothing. The offensive line's brutal. Green Bay's D's actually been playing pretty well. Of the three, I favor, I mean, the Giants, I don't think are available out there. So, uh, if the Giants are available in a league, I'm I'm going to scoop them up first. I mean, they're a top five fantasy defense right now. But then I take the Packers over San Francisco, I think. I'll throw out another one for you, though, and that is the one. Whenever I look for a streaming defense, the first thing I look to is who's playing Blake Bortles. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's Tennessee. They're on the road. I know the coaching change might, you know. They suddenly ignite some things in Jacksonville. I'm not holding my breath for that. I'll take my chances with the Titans, too, as a pretty good option. I'm sure they'll be one of my cheaper plays on DFS defenses uh, this week. And uh, also keep my eyes on the Texans if they're out there available. The Bengals, they're supposed to get A.J. Green back. But, I mean, their running game, Hill's banged up. You know, We'll see what the offensive line has been playing terrible. The Texans, you know, definitely, uh, once again, still in the playoff hunt. The Bengals have nothing to play for. And I can tell you, as a Bengal fan, they have just laid some flat-out dud performances down in their trips to Texas. So I think the Texans at D will uh, take it to Cincinnati on Christmas Eve evening as well. You know, Tennessee's secondary has been so bad the past nine weeks that I actually think Blake Bortles is probably going to be who I start in DFS this week. So uh, one of them's got to give, either Blake Bortles being terrible or, or Tennessee being terrible. But, uh, man, these guys, Tennessee's secondary, they're, they've given up over 300 yards six of their past eight games. And that's that's like Trevor Simeon, Matt Barkley, Cody Kessler, all kinds of obscure quarterbacks in there. They've played some real terrible quarterbacks, frankly, 
and uh, have still just been getting crushed. So I don't know. I'd be afraid to throw them out there, but you're right. Jacksonville's a great matchup. They are every week. Yeah, and plus, I mean, another thing about Jacksonville, I mean, they just have nothing on the ground. I mean, they have no running game. They're so they're so easy to defend in that regard. So I don't know. I mean, luckily for me, uh, it, you know, in the couple season longs where I'm still battling out here, you know, I was. You have to look at defense this time of the year, a couple weeks in you know in advance. You can pick up and once again instead of carrying that fifth or sixth receiver on your roster there in week fourteen. You know, you're looking ahead to these defensive matchups and. Unfortunately, if you've been streaming defenses all year on the waiver wire, chances are it gets to be this week's waiver wire pool. And if you're in a league with savvy owners, the good ones are already gone. Let me ask you this. I I heard this thrown out there the other day, and it really intrigued me about Jacksonville. I've been following Jacksonville a little bit because I'm trying to figure out which team I want to be a fan of since the Rams left me. Um, And I, I really like some of the young pieces with Jacksonville. If they go and draft Leonard Fournette, then San Diego knows Phillip Rivers wants to leave. They trade Phillip Rivers and Blake Bortles straight up. You've got Rivers, all those wide receivers, and Leonard Fournette. Do you think the Jaguars can win the Super Bowl next year? I mean, that's a big stretch right there. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, I mean, even even if there's all those moves worked out as you as you've laid out, I mean, the Super Bowl is a big stretch. But they could easily win the AFC South and get into the playoffs. What I do like about Jacksonville is their young defense. I think that uh, they're filled with weapons there, and I think the sky's the limit. But it's going to be interesting. I think the coaching change, you know, who they bring in is going to have a lot to say with it. I mean, clearly they need to move on from Blake Bortles. Jeff uh, Fisher, baby. I, That's who they need to bring in. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it might end up being Tom Coughlin. And, you know, he's like 97 now, but uh, anything could be an improvement over Gus Bradley, who, you know, he lost – he lost his. He 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 was fourteen and forty eight, I believe it was, or uh, no, is that right? It's, I'm I'm missing the stat now. But all I know is Belichick could go zero and sixteen for like a dozen straight years and still have a better winning percentage than Gus Bradley. Well, no, it's funny that you said Belichick there because that's what I was going to say. In three plus seasons as the Jaguars head coach, Gus Bradley fourteen and forty eight. Since 2003, as the Patriots head coach, Belichick, the same number of losses, 48, but 174 wins. He's got 160 more wins, but the same number of losses. They both lost 48 games, but Gus Bradley did it in just three-plus seasons. That's incredible. That's a great stat to end the podcast on. <laughs> Unbelievable, and you know Gus Bradley, he'll he'll get back some. Somebody will hire him back as, as you know in a defensive assistant role, and you know he'll he'll be fine. But let's hope the Jaguars uh, find the right guy. Well, Dan, it was uh, it was a blast doing this. It was a fun season. Appreciate you coming on again, and looking forward to chatting with you next year. Most definitely. Best of luck to everybody still out there playing and. Bobby, always appreciate the time. Anybody can always hit me up, too, on Twitter at Dan Claskins. I'll be happy to uh, answer any questions for you as well. Thanks again, Dan. Take care. For those of you listening at home, again, congratulations on making the Fantasy Championship game if you did, and good luck this week. We've got two more shows coming up for you this week. Mike Tagliere of Pro Football Focus coming on to talk about his rankings compared to the expert consensus rankings. And then Doug Norrie of DFSR coming on to break down the DFS weekend for you. So if you're not in your fantasy football championship, get out there, play some DFS. It's going to be lots of fun, compete against me. And uh, hopefully you finish at the top of the leaderboard in that one. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all.